Hello, my name is Hank Settle with special guest Shauna. Hello. And I'm Jason McBride. And we're here with another fun episode of Stir Crazy Shamans. As soon as I get the right video, there we go. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Shauna, for joining us. I'm so excited to have you on. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. I keep, so it's interesting because, Casey, are you in Ohio? I am, yeah, I'm in Rocky River. Okay, I, I normally speak to people not in Ohio, and when they ask me that, I'm like, it's good, summertime came in Ohio, and it's fabulous. <laughs> um, so that, you guys already know that. So it's fabulous, isn't it? It is. I've been enjoying it immensely. And we've, we're even going to be doing some of these episodes live out in nature because we got some uh, new camera equipment to be able to do it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. And yeah, yeah, we hit uh, we hit our 100 subscribers. So now we can go live from anywhere in the world. We can be out in the forest doing uh, our magical episodes and ceremonies and things. So we're very excited about That's that. That's amazing. The, the growth of this has been inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really wonderful. It's been a cool ride. Speaking of ceremony, that's how I met Shauna. I believe it was you came out to one of my Sonic Shaman concerts mm -hmm. uh, with Adam, and uh, I connected with you there. And then you started doing some uh, of your own work. And the next thing I know, you're traveling all over the country, inspiring people to step into their being, which is kind of loosely the topic that I picked for today because you're an emergence coach. And what you specialize in is getting people to really start shining their own unique voice in this world, which is the whole, at the heart of our tradition, uh, the Katari tradition of cross-cultural shamanism. Katari means your own unique voice in this world. And it's about people stepping into their personal power. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to speak on to our history really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love, actually, do I start a watch party from Facebook? You can. You, you find the video um, wherever you want to look at the video, like probably Stir Crazy Shamans is the best place to share it from or start it from. And oh, then you'll click great. share. You'll, you'll click share and then start watch party. And then everybody will see you have the watch party. And we won't see their comments. That's the okay. one thing. So anybody, if you want to make a comment um, or ask a question, you have to do it from the Facebook feed on Stir Crazy Shamans or the YouTube channel. If you do it anywhere else, we may not see the comments. And it's not that we're ignoring you. It's just that we don't see them. <laughs> Or best bet if, if any of the, that just if you're on YouTube, we know for sure you'll see our comments there because we're on all different kinds of Facebook pages. So I feel like people might get confused as yeah. to which ones. But if you're on YouTube, stir crazy shamans, then we will see the comments. Yeah, we'll here. see that for sure. We're also streaming to Periscope, which is like the Twitter uh, version of this. So that's going all, all over the place. So pretty cool. Jeez. Okay, I will. Um, I will figure this out on the back end. So I'm. I think I'm almost there. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the other day, and Hank, I don't think I messaged you about this because I, I thought that I wanted to. I was talking to Mary, one of our um, artist friends, mm -hmm. and I was thinking about that first meeting in that little church, cold-ass church. It was beautiful. <laughs> um, and then I also, the first time I met your partner, your professional partner, Ryan, was it he did this empathetic empowerment thing, and then now I just think about what was that like two and a half years ago and i just think about how we've all just sort of expanded and it's been this incredible like like i knew them i knew them back then and it's been so <laughs> cool to just like have that especially locally because a lot of my 
community is not local. So it's just there's something extra special because we're in, in Cleveland. That is something that I've noticed. Like um, I am way more successful, oddly, uh, in like Buffalo. Like when I go to Buffalo, I'll sell out events. I'll, I'll have to add events because I sold out of things. And then in, here in Cleveland, it's like everybody already knew me when I was just getting my Reiki diapers on. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's, sometimes it's, um, you know, and I know it's just a point of view that creates the reality, but sometimes it's easier to have success where, in places where people never had a previous point of view about you than a place where they had the point of view where you started. So just a really interesting correlation, I think. When I started doing my uh, psychic reading business, I was getting, I, I don't, I, there were, I think, three, four or five people uh, that signed up for sessions that were local. And then I was doing sessions for people in like Ireland and Australia, <laughs> like all over the country. And uh, so it was, I was having to figure out like how to do like PayPal and like, you know, accept like Australian dollars and things. <laughs> so that was a little interesting experience, but yeah, no, it is amazing. Um, just the, what this technology is sort of affording us the opportunity to reach so many people we wouldn't reach otherwise. Yeah, the internet and people hate on it and I love it. <laughs> Casey, I, I don't know about you. And if you've shared it a thousand times on this show, we can talk about it later, but I'd love to just hear. Yeah, well, I don't know about you either. So I would like to have you reciprocate afterwards and tell me about you. <laughs> so I, um, I, I'm a sort of a taught by the spirits shaman. Um, I've never had a, a, a human teacher in shamanic practices up until now. I'm, I'm training with um, Hank's teacher, Zane. Uh, but up until a few months ago, um, I, well, I'd had experiences years and years back, um, like uh, sort of what I now know as like a, like spiritual awakening type experiences, and then have been under the tutelage of my guides to learn how to do healing work and uh, readings and all kinds of other cool stuff. And um, uh, if shamanic journeying is a practice that's sort of been really integral to learning to do what I do, and then also is just really one of my favorite practices. Um, and uh, uh, so I, it's funny, me and Hank actually met what? What was that? Was like eight years ago? It was before the oh. first expo. And I don't remember if it was when uh, Melissa had just bought Goddess Elite or if it was when Pat and Jim still owned the store. But it was that long ago that we yeah. met. It was a long time ago, and, and it was funny because I um, was just start, starting to decide that, all right, I, I know I want to do um, energy healing or the spiritual work for like full time for a living. Had no idea how I was going to do it. So I just, I think I even did a Google like spiritual shops near me and then walked into Goddess Elite and Hank was there and we had this really great conversation and decided at the time we were going to um, connect uh, but, but we never did. We did. It's about two months ago. Is my phone? Oh, get out! Yeah, we we haven't talked until two months ago, and he googled I think uh, holistic um, centers or shaman holistic or something like that, and he yeah. found the HHH center, and then he saw my picture. He's like, I know that guy, and, <laughs> and ended up coming in for a session with uh, Ryan and, and myself, and then um, and then. The rest is kind of history. Every uh, the way that I've gotten to know Casey is by doing this show, right? Yeah, it was funny. We, uh, we the, originally stir crazy shamans. Hank had just planned to be him going out and talking every day, and he we were talking. He's like, "Hey, do you want to be on the first episode as a guest?" And uh, so I said, "Sure." We had fun with it, and then I think we both realized <laughs> that it was meant to be both of us <laughs> together doing this. Um, and then yeah, no. As far as uh, so now, um, I'm I'm a licensed massage therapist. 
Um, and uh, I'm still doing a little bit of that with the COVID-19 thing. There aren't a lot of people coming in for massage, but um, because of all of this and massage therapy being shut down and having time to focus on other things, I was able to finally start uh, a psychic reading business. Um, and I say psychic reading, but it's really more accurate to say that I do uh, like a type of mediumship. Um, so I don't communicate with people's past loved ones like you would traditionally think in uh, mediumship, but I, uh, I communicate with their spirit guides. So beings like uh, guardian angels and animal spirit guides, plant spirit guides, elemental beings, star beings, um, these kinds of beings that are here to help us to learn and grow and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, that business like really took off just in the first week. I was basically like fully booked up. So wow. um, <laughs> well, we got a comment from John saying that all three of us are not just shaman, we're all multitasking healers. <laughs> Amazing. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> My mm. brother was talking about shaman. Casey, I'm sorry to cut you off. No. <laughs> it kind of sounded like the end of the, it kind of sounded like the end of the well, thought. You, you're, uh, you're, you're perfectly fine. You transitioned well, so no worries. Um, <laughs> my brother, I'm sorry I'm looking around. I'm trying to start this watch party. My brother was talking about shamans. <laughs> We're we used were, to, I'm usually the one that's doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, uh, Hank's totally not paying attention right now. He's doing his tech stuff. I call him out at least once an episode for being completely distracted and not paying attention to what <laughs> yeah, he's uh -huh. So, it, does it share? Help me out, Hank. Do my sharing? I'm on the video. Yeah, I'm not the only one who can't figure out the watch party thing. No, like, well, I, th I think you do it from your phone, though. Like, if you're on the computer, I, I would just share it because I think I've only been able to do it from my my oh, mobile device. Well, I totally can do it from the phone. Okay, cool. Um, so we had a family fire, and my brother has been through a certain type of a life where he really like got to look at himself, and um he was mentioning something that I wanted to bring up about shamans and my partner, Adam is like in love with plant medicine and he loves those types of journeys. And so he's like interested in shamanism and kind of is in parts of our lives in certain areas. And I know that there's different definitions and there's different types. And my brother said something interesting about, he's like, yeah, we're all shamans because we went through this time in our life to where we were completely isolated. And then that helped us come back, come forth and bring wisdom. And I wanted to ask you guys your opinions on that. Did you want me to go first, Casey? Yeah, I just haven't that process. <laughs> so in truth, like we're all part of the same animated essence and we all have access to have this in the world, but not of the world experience. Just some of us choose to more vigorously uh, go after that type of, of connection than other people. So in a way, all of us are shaman or have the, sh uh, the abilities to be shamanic, we'll say it that way, but not necessarily everybody is wanting to be in the space where they're always in the world, but not of it being that um, redistribution. Because a, a shaman really is the hollow bone where they're taking all the energies around them and redistributing them out through the cosmos. They're like a, a transistor of energy of everything they're coming into, like just being that that bridge for people to connect to all the different uh, worlds and everything like that. And not everybody wants to step into that. So in that sense, not everybody is a shaman just simply because they haven't chosen it, but everybody would have the potential to learn to be that if they wanted to. And we all have shamanic um, abilities or, or knowings and things of that nature. At least that's my take on it. And it's kind of like, 
intuition or like empath, empathy. Uh, you know well, what I mean? well, those are different things in my in my view. So yeah. no, no, I'm talking like every. I feel like everybody. Yeah, has yeah everybody has intuition. Everybody is an empath. It's just like uh, some people, uh, if you look at Ryan's class, he has like this bell curve and some people are to the farther side of the bell curve one way or the other. And most of us fall in the middle. So everybody has the ability to, to access these things. But just, not everybody does. Yeah. But, but, you know, other people have other gifts. Like I couldn't, um, I couldn't throw the, you know, baseball hundred miles per hour and hit a little square. Other people can. And it's not that there's a wrongness to either being able to do that or not. It's just that some people have their, their niches that they're really going to excel at. And so though everybody is shamanic, they're not, uh, not everybody is necessarily walking the path of the healer and being that for other people. So I do think it's important to touch what we're talking about when we say shaman also. Um, so shaman, uh, the word shaman come is, it comes from the, I think it's the Tungus tribe, is how it's pronounced yep. in Siberia. Siberia in Russia, yeah. Um, so uh, really, the only shamans, the only actual shamans, are the um, indigenous uh, healers, nature mystics of the Tungus tribe in Siberia. Um, but shaman has become sort of this catch-all term for any indigenous like healer or or nature mystic, basically. Um, so we used it to refer to like a, a whole spectrum of experiences that um, uh, these people have. Um, and uh, but I like so my sort of modern definition I like to give people. Uh, just because it kind of sounds nice to me, is I like to say that the shaman is the bridge between the worlds, right? So we're here um, in the physical, but we also are very aware of all the other multiple layers of reality. And so uh, being the bridge between the worlds means like we uh, we will access certain energies from different um, uh, aspects of reality for the purposes of healing or um, like uh, divination uh, or whatever we're, we're trying to accomplish. Um, but uh, um, yeah, but we like we like Hank said, we walk um, sort of in between uh, the worlds. Um, so we're yeah, that's that's one way of explaining it. So yes, everyone absolutely has the potential to become a shaman, um, and some uh, are really just feel called to that path and begin to research and train and learn. And there are others like myself who um, like. <laughs> to me, it didn't really seem like at the time I had much choice in the matter. <laughs> it was just uh, um, sort of like rudely awoken by the spirits and uh, um, and found myself on the path. So, um, yeah, the way but the way you you uh, you fall into this kind of um, life passion, um, I don't think that really matters all that much. But, um, yeah, we're all uh, we're all here to help to heal the community, help people to um grow and to like hank said just redistribute the energies and uh maintain that sort of balance and uh Aini, that divine reciprocity if, so <laughs> i love that you brought out like the fundamental like the actual fundamental where it started at least for as far back as we know um well that's not where all these practices started that's just where the name comes from Oh, but uh, but these practices of, of uh, like indigenous healing and nature mysticism were all over the world and all completely separate parts of the world, seemingly separate parts of the world. Um, and uh, so similar, um, very similar concepts and like things were being done um, in like North America as they were over in Siberia or in, like Africa or South America, like the same uh many of the same core principles and practices were being discovered in these ancient 
um, uh, uh, civilizations. I am, Casey, you don't know me, and I'm not even sure. Maybe Hank knows this a little bit. So I started the watch party, and I'm going to put yeah. my phone up here to see if I can get, if I can like look up and see comments. <laughs> oh, that's um, very sneak of you. <laughs> uh, so, okay, there's three things that are coming up that are very interesting to me. First thing is I'm a nerd for ancient culture and ancient lost civilizations. Like, a, a, can I swear? Uh, preferably not, because uh, right. iTunes will yank the episode. I'm an epic nerd for for that stuff, and uh, <laughs> um, it's so interesting because I've been studying this now since like 2011, and um, just recently did I actually see what they're trying to say that like way back before written history, the world was very similar in a lot of ways to have this like global civilization, and so. I saw it through like architecture, belief systems, creation stories, like the similarities. And now you're telling me that the ritual, the, the ritual, ritualistic, you know, activities, exercises were like similar over all states. And so that's just very interesting to me. Yeah. If I remember Zane describing it once, it was almost as though like when, um, when humanity was kind of split up a bit, like each uh, culture had their own knowledge that they went and uh, and really fine-tuned so like in the caro tradition it's about intention and perception and then like the northern tradition you have like prayer and some of the other traditions it's like meditation and breathing and so uh and then everybody kind of refined and really had a deep dive into that and now the prophecy of the rainbow tribe of man coming together again to share all the things that they know so though there are similarities they also have their own little nuances and specialties that they go in and now all that information is coming together again um, I think that it's so interesting because everybody always thinks that we're at, th at this critical point of humanity, you know, and if something, it's like always the thing, right? Back through like all of the texts and I have different thoughts about it. I don't know anything, obviously, but it's so interesting to just see how these patterns are coming back up, which reminds me, and this is, if I could get your permission to hugely shift here. Sure. You don't need um, to just do it. Um, <laughs> It reminds me of like repeating patterns, right? You guys understand what I'm saying. Uh, in people's lives, Casey, you mentioned, I wrote it down. You mentioned a rude awakening. And I mm. feel like so many people have a rude awakening. And the crazy thing about it, because I believe that nature is cooperative, right? I don't think it's, it's angry and mean. Um, no. The crazy thing about it is before these rude awakenings, I had one, I believe Hank had one of our own right. right. And um, something happens to where when we look back, there were signs, whispers and taps before we got like the two by four to the face. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think um, in my work, at least I work a lot with like emotional emotions, emotional management, emotional freedom, habit forming and like, how the emotions take part. And uh, I see that our emotions are a huge reflection. And for whatever reason, at least in the US, that wasn't something I learned growing up. And so uh, I'm curious, like <clears throat> in the shamanic, shamanistic rituals, the I feel like for just from the plant medicine ceremonies I've had and Hank's concerts, I feel like emotion is the key. And I feel like some people are 
avoiding that key because with, with emotions comes grief and anger and all these things. And when I see the, <clears throat> when I see the um, emotional scale, right? They like can like test the types of frequencies each emotion has and like guilt is way down at the bottom. And up here is like love and bliss and all the good things, unity. Um, what I see is like, right, there's this weird apex where it's like guilt, apathy, um, all of these depression, all of these things that there's anger, right, at this like apex to switch into the t upper half. And that anger, I feel like is the one thing that we don't want to look at whether or not we were men and had angry fathers, and we don't want to be angry, or we were women, and we don't think that like, it's not ladylike to be angry. And I feel like if we can realize and understand how to move through that anger, that would be like the apex to just move up and to be able to manage our emotions in such a beautiful way to where a we feel like we have control and the dualistic perspective of B we're okay. I'm okay. If I wake up feeling bad and I don't have to feel bad about feeling bad. Is it all, is this making sense? Yeah. Especially the last part I think is the real key of it is that you don't have to feel bad about feeling bad, giving yourself permission to feel the emotions and not judge yourself for whatever point of view you're having at that moment for being angry or anything like that. I know that's something I, uh, as long as I've been doing this work and under the tutelage of my guides, I'd struggled with for a long time. Um, and in fact, at one point, uh, uh, when I uh, years ago, when I was dealing with a lot of really uncomfortable emotions and anxiety and things, um, I was studying uh, teachers like uh, Muji and uh, I'm trying to think of who else, um, but Eckhart Tolle, a lot of people know who that is. And um, those kinds of teachers that just talk about like the uh, like oneness and, and source and that kind of awakening. And um, I had a shift listening to one of those teachers and um, uh, was in that space of just being as the oneness for a long time. And then even so, as like I got distracted by life and sort of sort of wasn't always in, I mean, you never really forget it, but like was more up in the mind. And um, I had this idea that like, I shouldn't really like the emotions coming up. That's just a distraction from oneness. So don't, you know, like, don't give it any attention. Just like, all right, it's here. All right, let's get rid of it on the beast again. And uh, so I like, I sort of had this, uh, um, like habit formed, like when emotions came up, just like, all right, how do I like just immediately dissolve that without really having to experience it? Um, but then later uh, on in my journey, uh, learning from my guides, they really worked me through like, no, it's okay to feel the full expression of the emotions and going into them with your attention, not running away, but really going into the emotions and feeling the energy and having the experiences for me oftentimes allows me to really um, release the ones that I guess aren't as pleasant that I don't want to be experiencing, but it's like, I have to really go deep into them and experience the full expression of them before they finally move on. And that was something that took me a long time to learn. So I don't know if that's more like kind of what you're, um, we're sort of alluding to as far as allowing ourselves to experience like anger and being okay with consciously experience because right. a lot of these things in access, we would call them distractor implants. And when you get angry, if you allow the emotion to roll, you're now in a, a state of reacting instead of responding. And afterwards you go, Oh, that so wasn't me. Why did I choose that? And it was because you weren't fully conscious and present with where you were at. And right. instead of the anger being a potency for you to facilitate change and possibility, it became a reaction thing. And now you're doing damage control so there's like a skilled and unskilled application of each emotion that is what is so interesting about anger to me and i 
even though I'm speaking about anger a lot, I don't specifically just like work with anger. I'm just going to open my window. Um, anger, as far as I've learned it, and let me just be clear to the whole audience, like I am educated, self-educated and self, I, I, I speak off of my own experiences and like the things that I've learned. So what I've learned about emotions and anger are like, I teach people how to identify what they're feeling so that they can like calibrate to a different state. Um, and anger, when you think about it, and when you think about like the, those super low emotions, like guilt, grief, depression, there's not much movement in the body. You're not really feeling a lot of energy there to where anger to not only from what I've read multiple times, what, what my experience is, is anger is that first emotion where you, there's energy in the body. That's what people punch. Um, that's what people run. That's what people work out when they're angry, you know? And it's like, how can we utilize, like, it's just energy. It's just neutral. How can we see that and become the witness? And rather than like something I like to do is say, and this is for any emotion is become the witness. And rather than saying like, I am angry, it's like, I'm experiencing anger or I feel angry right now. And, um, that seems to be a really good, uh, creating the space. So then you can take that energy and either like just allow it to express itself, scream in a pillow, you know what I mean? Or like utilize it creatively. Um, do you guys use anything like that? Personally, I do. I, I like just saying I am. I don't like putting anything else after that because anything you put after that is a limitation. I am dot, dot, dot. Only there's no end to the possibilities of what you are. But if you start identifying with I am this, I am that, it's kind of putting you in a box. And I, I specifically had a bad taste in my mouth with um, I've been in recovery for 12 years from alcohol. And they always want to say I am an alcoholic. Like when you introduce yourself, I'm like, that never resonates with me. I feel so much better just to say like, you know, I'm Hank and I cannot safely drink alcohol <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the safety of myself and others around me. It's like a bad idea. So I just choose not to do it now. Yeah. But, but to identify with I am an alcoholic and all the stigma that goes around with that, that was where I started really looking at using those powerful words I am. And, and also looking at language. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my wife is German, and you would never say in German, I am hungry. You would say, I have hunger. Mm. And just oh. the energetic difference of I have hunger versus I am hungry. I'm not hungry. I am me, but I am experiencing hunger, just like you said. And if you pick up any other language, you'll notice like little nuances like that where you, you, you kind of see the, the, the trap of the energetic trap that words can create, if, depending on how you're using them. It is. It's in the body. It's totally in the body. And when people say that for the first time, and I'd be like, why don't you say it like, I'm learning to be sober. Like, say that. <laughs> See how it feels in your body. You know, it is. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's like a tactile, it's a tactile difference of expansion in the body. Definitely. Yes. When I, uh, no, definitely, as far as uh, experiencing whatever powerful emotions, um, and I've come to the point where if I, when I do experience like anxiety or whatever uh, arises, that's really uncomfortable. My reaction now, the more powerful the emotion is, is for me to really, really step into that space of like what at being the observer completely, um, how to, how to describe it. Cause we're talking about things that like, none of this is accurate. We're using like words metaphorically, Floppy. um, but, uh, like to put it metaphorically, like, here's the, like, yeah, so put the hands, I like that, put the hands, uh, like I'm here as the observer, but really like 
there is no attachment to this feeling of whatever unpleasant emotion is going on. I'm just witnessing it. And even if it gets really intense and the emotional noise is really loud like that, and then the more that happens, the more I'm like, okay, I'm definitely just the observer with no, like no identity whatsoever, just isness. And, uh, and then even then, like my thoughts will completely shut off and just emotions are happening in the body. Um, but uh, I find that uh, if I hold that space uh, long enough, um, then whatever emotion it is will, because I'm not um, feeding it with my identity, without, because I'm not identifying with it, uh, eventually it will just sort of fizzle out. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. And it's so interesting too, because it, when it fizzles, it changes your identity, right? Like it's, it's this weird, I call it like empowered duality because it's all together. And when I can like really separate from what's happening with my anger, I come back different, differently manifest. You know, it's a strange, a strange thing that happens. And also if you are experiencing the anger out of nowhere, like if you're not one to typically get angry, but all of a sudden like you're really being triggered by something to stop and ask, is it even yours? Because we are such aware beings that you might be picking up on somebody else's being angry. Or if you're walking through a place where some a crime happened, for example, uh, we're so aware who says that we're only aware of one particular moment in time. What if you're picking up the empathic echo of something and all of a sudden like you're being triggered, but it's not even yours to begin with. And to just ask the question like, what is this? Like, is it even mine? And then that helps to be the observer even more, the witness, as you call it. There's different, whatever word works for you, but being just the, not in it, but just outside of it. Yeah. And um, one thing also speaking to that, uh, that going on these hikes with Hank has really um, even put into more clarity <laughs> for me is uh, like, uh, I remember the first time we got together to go on a hike, uh, we were walking and uh, I just felt this huge wave of like, woof, like really weird energy. And uh, if I was just walking like with someone else who wasn't aware of this stuff, I probably would have been like, what the heck was that, man? Like just really, and like sort of brushed it off and like not knowing what was going on. But uh, as I, I said something, I was like, whoa. And Hank just goes, yeah, we just walked over a portal. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> One, not only is he also feeling the same thing, but he like has an explanation for what it is. And then uh, just as we've been hiking other things, like we will walk and like, so I'll just feel some big shift. And then we both pick up on it at the same time. And Hank always has a little bit more of an explanation for it. And uh, so now, you know, uh, um, I'm starting to pay more and more attention to when those things happen, you know, all right, now maybe open up my energetic sight and look around Is something happening with the spiritual beings or what's going on. Uh, whereas before sometimes I wouldn't do that. I would just kind of, I'm doing other things. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Screw off. <laughs> um, I'm curious of your guys's opinion because something, something that's been on my heart recently is like, <clears throat> That's cool that I'm looking at the video. That's cool that this, the text comes up. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and for those of you uh, watching on Facebook, um, what, what she was just referring to is when you start a watch party, it's like almost like closed captionings and the text instantly comes up so people can read it if they aren't able to have their volume up. It's really cool. It's not always right. It says I'm Hank Stula or something like that when I <laughs> say my name at the beginning, but it's still pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I, in my community, I work with many different people. Um, I do work with mostly women, but I'm not like tied to them. Uh, my story just pairs well. And a lot of them would consider themselves like 
all these terms like shamans, light workers, uh, star seeds, all these very spiritual terms. And something that I see is that in Casey, you sort of touched on this earlier. When you start, like when you started in your journey, you had, you wanted nothing to do with those low level emotions. It's almost like we learn, and this happened to, to me too. Um, however we awaken, we learn that like, reality is considered an illusion, right? Even our personality is just like programs and all of these thoughts that were created from stuff that wasn't us. And then we, and then as we learn that it's really empowering because we're learning like different information than the, than a lot of other people have. And we want to start sharing it and all these things. And then this point happens that I see where people learn the different information, they make sustainable changes in their lives, or they just make like big changes quick because they see that they have this power and then at some point, the illusion becomes like all encompassing and then they're not grounded in the fact that, hey, I think it, like we're all human right now. And so how can I ground in the fact that all of this is illusion? And I, I see that challenge um, with a lot of people who are taking a certain type of a path. And I, where was I going with this? Um, so like they make a lot of progress and then they kind of fall back into their well-trodden wagon or rut or they get held by the illusion. Is that where you were going with it or? They get stuck in the illusion. Yeah. yeah Cause it's kind of like stuck in the quantum where nothing actually happens, but you just like see all the possibility and you're not taking any actions and like creating your own habits and like that empowered, like bringing both the integrated yeah. way forward. Okay. I think I, 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 well, at least I think I can relate, uh, my own experience to what you're talking about, because uh, along with like not wanting to experience the lower level emotions, um, I would also get to the point where it's like, I would go back and forth for a while where I would be like really involved in, um, you know, doing healing work and like communicating with my guides and like learning to uh, fine tune my energy manipulation skills and do all this stuff. And, um, and then like improve other aspects of my life and manifest all these amazing things. And then I would fall into like, okay, like just oneness and just like, I don't need to do anything because I'm perfect. It's all perfect. <laughs> and, uh, and then just being in that space and like I've experienced a lot of peace and everything, but then like I wasn't, wasn't doing anything with anything. And so I would kind of go back and forth. And now I'm like, I get finding this balance of knowing that yes, we are always the isness, um, but we're here experiencing this, these bodies and this world of beautiful form uh, because it's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, but no, yeah. So definitely we need to, there's some sort of balance that needs to happen between, um, you know, just uh, being as the isness with infinite possibility and actually um, like enjoying the full expression of what's going on around us and like consciously choosing to do things to better our lives. But if I heard correctly, it's uh, it's more that they're consciously choosing to a point and then all of a sudden there becomes like this blind spot where they start to um, not make conscious choices. And my feeling on it is that a lot of the peer pressure around people is like, well, how much change is enough change? Like when I was starting to learn all my different healing modalities, my wife was like, well, can't you just pick one? Like, why do you have to keep learning all these things? You know? I'm like, cause that's what I do. And it's kind of feeling the energy between like, as you step into this, like, well, this is good enough versus how does it get any better than this to use that access tool? And it's like, well, you, you had all this change, you've come so far. Now I can kind of like, you know, sit back a little bit. And once you start to oh. sit back, once you start to sit back, you're not asking the question anymore. Well, what else is possible today? How could I create even more and, and change this world even more today? Instead, they're kind of coasting and there's only one way you can coast downhill. So if you're not that always is, asking that the question. That is incredible. 
Yeah, you're not always asking the question, how does it get any better than this? What else is possible today? How could I be more me today than any day I've ever been before? Uh, then you start to settle for the duality and you don't have to. Yeah, I the way that you explain that is different than what I meant and like pairs directly over it because people do, they, they, they find them, they find themselves in comfort, right? And they just kind of hang out there, which is not good or bad. It's just like not towards what they actually want. A lot of times it's not towards the vision. And that kind of stuff sticks us even worse. Like, like something's not working for you, you go out of your way to make it better. If something is working for you, we don't always ask, well, this is so great. How does it get any better? And the universe is just waiting to show us. But if we never ask that question, it, like the next thing never comes. And so that's a big tool in access is whether you just stubbed your toe or you just won the lottery, how does it get any better than this? And you keep that momentum, that upward spiral of, of possibility going. Um, I think within like when people find themselves at that spot that you just mentioned where they're coasting, um, what I see to bring it to like a very easily digestible level, what I think I see is um, we learn that we are infinite possibility. We start taking actions towards that. We see changes. And then we learn that life should, should, that life like gets to feel good, right? That life gets to feel good and we get to do things with ease and we get to like just float, like least resistance, right? And then they come up, they wake up one morning and they want to start working out or they want to start, I don't know, not drinking coffee in the first 10 minutes. And they feel that resistance and the not yucky, yucky feeling, the gross feeling. And then they're like, mm. oh, well, this isn't aligned. So I'm just going to like do what feels good. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to drink like this Dr. Pepper. And then like, and then they're harming themselves because they, there's some kind of distinction that gets to happen of like, where does this not feel good, but is actually for my highest good. And something that I like to, um, does that make sense so far? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, something that I like to teach again from my own experience is like, and Hank, it, Hank can vouch for this because I think it's a part of access where when we tap into what we want or we tap, if we're like cr making a decision, does it feel expansive or does it feel contractive? And I've, I've noticed that if I want to create a habit or if I want to like, okay, so one of my targets right now is to write Adam a check for $50,000 and retire him and um, at least for a year and let him like do his own thing. And so when I think about the steps that it's gonna take to get there, there's a little bit of contraction because it's growth and it's like showing up and it's, I never was, a per I wasn't an A student, like I'm figuring out how to do it good now. And, uh, <laughs> but but the, there's this weird veil, let me try to land the plane. There's this weird veil where when we're trying to create habits, like it, we're trying to switch our personality a little bit and it feels gross, like I don't wanna, I don't want to meditate or I don't want to work out or I don't want to stop drinking pop. Like I, I, pop makes me feel good beyond that. Does that feel expansive? Right. Be after like, let's pretend that you already did the thing. Does yeah. that feel expansive? And then that's where we move. Well, and I, I give people the tool, like ask if I do this, how does, how does it feel a year from now or a month from now? And you put it out on a trajectory. So though it might not feel light in the immediate moment, then, but after you get past that hump, then it definitely feels light. And a lot of that is the ego. This is my opinion anyway, is the ego desperately trying to get you to pick what it feels comfortable with. Cause its job is to make you make sure you survive. And it knows that you've survived your worst day of your life and will let you repeat that if you allow it to manipulate you into that but something 
something new that's new, that you've never done before that's a new possibility the ego's like i don't know the outcome don't do that don't do that and that's where like the fear anxiety the distractor implants come up because the ego edging got out is desperately trying to get you to pick something else that it knows you'll survive so it's interesting that you you the image that I don't know if you said this on purpose, but the image in my head is like that applies opposite too, because some things that feel expansive right now, like I use the the example of cheating in a, in one of my calls, like cheating on your partner might like feel really good right now, but let's go a month ahead of the time, and then it might feel like really really terrible. So it's interesting that that is reverse. Well, and the greatest truths are paradoxes. Birds of a feather flock together is a oneality truth. Opposites attract is a duality truth. So are you choosing from the place of oneness and you being an infinite being, or are you play, making a choice from the place of polarity and duality? And that that has a huge um, impact energetically of what you're choosing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I know at one point um, I was, uh, I had been very much on the other end, like not experiencing the peace and oneness and was just kind of uh, into some bad habits and behaviors and things. And I had a reading from someone who um, I asked him, I'm like, you know, I've, I've been in that space of just being in total bliss and joy for like a year or more at a time. And like every time I try and I would sit down and meditate and I know like there's just this little shift in perception that needs to happen and then I can totally be in that space. And um, and every time I would try to get there, really uncomfortable emotions would come up, and I'd go, "Well, it doesn't feel good, so I'm not going to do it." So mm-hmm. I had this I had this reading from this guy, and I, I brought that up, and he said, um, "He said, yeah, you need to, um, uh, how did he put it? He said those like intense emotions are are coming up as you do that because they're being like sort of I don't know how you put it, like like cleared out so that you can experience uh, that again and." Um, Right. And he said, you just need to work past that. Like, it's going to be really intense and uncomfortable. Just, you know, what's on the other side. And I did. And then when I really thought about it, I'm like, you know what? All right. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm not going to die from it, hopefully. <laughs> it's funny that we think that, though. You're like, no, this is going to kill me for sure. Specifically with meditation, my meditation teacher, who is Mark Thomas at Fellowships, uh, who I primarily learned from, uh, he would say that when you start to meditate, it is like heaving the boulders. Like when, when you of the field over the wintertime, all the boulders get heaved up. And when you start to meditate and touch in with that oneness, everything that doesn't resonate with that oneness starts to shift to the surface. Mm. And as it gets to the surface, the mind goes, I don't want to deal with any of that. And it starts to distract you. That's where monkey mind comes from. The brain goes, oh no, that's coming up. We got to go shopping. We got to paint the house. We got to do this. We got to do that. <laughs> but, if you, but if you start like looking at the trend of other things popping up from childhood, it's like, well, what is underneath the surface that really needs to be released and that's what meditation does and that's why it's so uncomfortable for so many people when they first start is because all that shit literally spiritual human in transition it's an acronym not a swear word it's it shimmies to the surface and and then we can have a conscious um choice around it and then there was another one other thing i was going to mention with that but it's kind of fizzling so um, maybe, oh, yeah. yeah, that it, it opened something up for me and maybe it'll come back to you. But first, Casey, do you know Ashley Rose? Um, we traded readings at one point. I work with her. We work together. She was saying hello. Ashley? hello to me. That's okay. It was nice to almost meet you, Ashley. Ashley, say hi to Hank. She was saying that meditation was the energetic detox. And then just recently she mentioned uh, that I let it kill me and surrender to the metaphorical death that is activating the high 
level intensity in my body. Then we level out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it does. It does take that sort of um, like, all right, you know what? If I'm going to die and that's going to bring me like peace, fine. <laughs> you almost have to say that to the ego. Well, <laughs> yeah. Right. You got to. Addictions usually to make the turn. Like they say, you have to get sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, where instead of letting choosing in the ego that you to make a demand to the universe for change. That's where most people who break addictions, they got to this point, they call it the bottom, whatever it is, where they say, whatever whatever happens, something needs to change now. And then the universe aligns and boom, like the next day when I made that choice, when I was in that energy, never picked up a drink again. And it was, uh, but it, it was a very clear and it wasn't, I was, wasn't doing anything different. I was being different in that moment where I was like, God help me. That was a, essentially the prayer. Like universe, do something. Something's got to change. And then yeah. everything changed. That's amazing. Literally overnight. <laughs> I, I have, it's kind of similar. Um, but I wanted to say something first. Oh, okay. So don't let me forget. I have a story. Um, you were talking about how that when we meditate, when we start to like rise these rocks up to the surface, and I, of course I think about like the frequency, just like separating the things, but we want to go shopping we want to clean the house. We want to just like have call our aunt. We haven't talked to in five years. Like it's time. And uh, I, so Ashley and I, if she's still on here, Ashley and I are part of the program. Me. And she what says, that? That you it. well, Ashley finally said hello to me. <laughs> hello, Ashley. I feel included now. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley also said that you are her partner in crime. We are, we teach um, oh, women. So our, uh, this woman, Kara Mizugo, created a program to teach women how to create their own program and sell it at like high ticket prices. And uh, Ashley and I are the coaches in the, we're success coaches in there. So we are. Anyways, I'm teaching these women and I want to, again, just bring this to people who like maybe there's people who want to make change and like have they haven't even realized that they can or they haven't experienced that they can, but they know that they can. But then they see people like us who who look successful and they think like, oh, well, they just must be different. They just must have a, pa a weird past. Like people actually have been envious of my disease because they think that that gave me the, the permission to create my life. Right. So anyways, Ashley and I are we're in this round and this is what happens when I feel like you're the teacher or the mentor. It happens so often. And I just want people to feel okay that like they get to be human and the master is always practicing. So we're teaching these women in the program to like sit down, don't get distracted. Like this is what you can do to create this program, to create your life and make this money to make this impact. And we're telling them that they're going to find themselves getting distracted. And in the same week, I was actually creating a different program for myself. And I'm like talking to the women on Facebook Messenger, telling them like, um, I think like interesting, convenient that you got stuck at the grocery store for four hours. And I realized I was, my closet was half emptied out and I was cleaning, I was reorganizing my closet when I was supposed, when I wanted to be like creating this program. And it's just so interesting because like everybody has their own stuff. You know, we're all, it's just different levels. Like the women I teach are just like two steps behind me. And I'm sure the same as you guys. And so I just wanted to like share the fact that uh, 
perfection is elusive. Right. And I like using the example, whether you believe in uh, Christianity or not in the Bible, even Christ wrecked the tabernacle once because he lost his cool. So even <laughs> one of the most noted ascended masters on the planet had a moment of human. So it happens. <laughs> we're all having, we're all spiritual beings having the human experience. And I like the, the saying in AA is you practice spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. There's always like this, um, refinement of your your inner light that you can express with the world and to not lose sight of that and not to think you're ever done because you're not you're you can always refine it or make it something different and create more possibility for yourself and for the world and one of my uh, uh the teachers that i followed for a while muji if you have any if you guys haven't checked out muji check out muji. i love the name just because of the name i want to go look them up o-o-j-i muji um Sounds like my spirit wolf animal Mugi almost <laughs> i love the name He's uh, um, anyway, uh, so he was talking about how um, even uh, the most uh, present person on the planet, even the greatest, wisest sage, uh, the most highly enlightened person on the planet, they still have moments where they become distracted, have emotions, they're like, like are in the realm of thought and the mind and all of that. Um, the only difference between like those really, um, you know, uh, like people who we perceive to be these wise masters or whatever uh and uh you know people who aren't like that is that uh, they've just practiced more and got you know a, a little better at staying present a little bit longer and um then also like this whole idea of like you know enlightenment of like when are we going to be in that space of knowing the oneness and the isness and like always being there and uh they said like, people have this idea that there's this big like boom explosion shift that has to happen but really it's you know when we're learning to meditate or like be practice our mindfulness meditate or uh, like practice throughout the day um, you know maybe at first we're mostly up in the mind and distracted and we have a moment of being present and then we're like distracted and then we're present and and you know and so maybe it's only like a second or two at a time that we're present at first and then you practice for a while and maybe you know it's like 10 seconds at a time and then you're in the mind for like five minutes and then 10 seconds of present and then you know at a certain point you have the, like like an hourglass right like there's just one grain of sand falling through at a time and then you keep practicing that and then now all of a sudden there's equal parts sand at the bottom of the hourglass and in the top so we're like present for half the time and then not present so is it like when the next one grain of sand falls through is that when we're enlightened or whatever right. you know, or uh you're when you realize you don't have to be enlightened right <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah no, in, in terms of you were talking about like you know the, the you know there is like a trying to achieve some kind of spiritual uh perfection that we're never really going to achieve um yeah you know just uh realizing that where we are right now is exactly where we're supposed to be and um then allowing yourself to be distracted and being okay with that that's a big thing when people start to meditate uh even just not in their daily mindfulness uh um extra or practice but just in, in sitting down meditation people have this frustration of like they're focusing on the breath or whatever it is and then their mind starts to come and they go ah dang it why did i get distracted and then now they're more distracted and they got emotional about it when i so i always tell people when doing this big thing i emphasize and people ask me about like how do i start meditating i say just know that uh, the distraction part is successfully meditating if you're becoming distracted you're successful <laughs> that's that's a that's half of that's half of meditation without the distraction you wouldn't have to meditate um so when you become distracted just 
recognize that you become distracted and then gently, without commenting, bring your attention back to whatever it is you were trying to focus on. And uh, realize that that realizing you become distracted and bring your attention back, that is the meditation. Prem says that too, like he said that like through life, we get this little robot that starts driving around everywhere. And a big part of having the awakening is just to notice that the robot is driving and to take the reins back and show up and experience your own life. And the robot drives less and less and you're more and more present in every moment that you're responding through life instead of reacting through life. And meditation was one of the key things that gives you that ability to notice when you're distracted and noticing just the fact that you're noticing, like Casey said, that is like 90% of the battle. Yeah. And then so the I, I'm going to turn off my camera and mic here really quick. I have to run to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Sorry. TMI, Casey. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a really interesting thought that's been rumbling, but I'd like to wait for Casey to come back. So what else? Well, he has his headphones, so you probably can hear us. How weird oh, he does? Okay. Well, I think um, so. <laughs> That's kind of a funny image. Uh, <laughs> So the conscious, you're, you, you know what I'm saying when people just say like the conscious community, like people who are like, Oh, so like the, the collective of people who consider themselves conscious or, or work to be conscious. Yeah. Like that can, can join in conversations like this or want to, or, or just, yeah. People that want to consciously create their life. Um, a lot of times there's spiritual, uh, but that seems to be the the goal is being conscious, right? And so the unconscious or the subconscious has gotten ridicule. And I'm of the party where the ego is not pure evil. It's just been developed to not serve us as right. far and as being human. For a very specific purpose. That is how we are. It is the skin of the water balloon that keeps the drop separate from the ocean. Like mm. that, it, it is the part that makes us us as individuals, but we just uh, haven't been skilled at using it to the yes. best of our ability. Yeah, and I feel like that when people, like when somebody's teaching about unconscious or subconscious, we instantly just think like, oh, ego, get out of here. I don't wanna be unconscious, but I beg to differ because I think I call like a BS because I think that we want to be unconscious, but in a way that we're like, I don't, I've created my habits that are consistently developing to where if I'm feeling emotionally reactive, I don't even think about it sometimes anymore. I have the reference point in my body and then I breathe because I made that a subconscious habit, right? And so we can utilize, our, we actually want to be part subconscious. So like when, when I hear, and you guys didn't say this at all, but it's something I wanted to bring up because I, I'm going to write about it and I haven't yet. And, um, like demonizing the sub or the unconscious because we actually like, why are we creating like everything manifestation, habit forming? Um, what's the third one? There was a third word. It like all implies physical reality, which to me is like an unconscious. Uh, why would I want to always think about the fact to breathe when I'm angry? I want to do that so I can be more conscious in my other parts of my life I want to create. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, one thing you might enjoy is if you look in NLP at all, which is neuro-linguistic programming, their term for the subconscious, because they don't believe that there's anything submissive about it or less than conscious about it, they just simply call it other than conscious. And there's all kinds of ways to use it for possibility. So you might enjoy diving in a little bit to NLP and uh, having some some of that information. I bought uh, a Groupon. I really wanted to get into it. And I, I've taken just a few 
little classes on it. I bought a Groupon of like a certification course, a, a do at your own pace, which doesn't seem to work out for people for whatever reason. And I bought it for like, I don't know, 50 bucks. And I, I'm in module three out of 18. I bought it like a year and a half ago. And so that may be something to dive back into. Yeah, and, I, and speaking, well, a lot of uh, uh, like when I first started out on my path, I was uh, exploring hypnosis and in hypnosis, I guess there's a lot of NLP kind of built into a lot of what we do. Um, but uh, yeah, in hypnosis, uh, the subconscious we recognize is holding like all of the power. That's where all the power is, you know, uh, and I, like, if we even looking at the um, like, you know, just mapping out the brain, the part of our brain that we use to consciously like think thoughts, the prefrontal cortex is in comparison, like percentage wise, a relatively small part of the brain. Um, and the, just looking at the room around us, like we have this computer screen, we can see all this complex detail, just looking at the microphone in front of me, like the wiring and like how complex all this is and the sensation of how I can feel all of that, this entire reality around us, all the sensations that we see as like physical, all of the sights that we see as very solid and real, our subconscious mind is creating all of this. Because in reality, what is this whole visual environment around me are just photons, like sticking to these little or hitting these little receptors at the, the back of my eye being translated into electrical impulses that my brain then decodes and reorganizes into this whole reality. So yeah, no, the subconscious mind has the power to literally on a scientific level, create this entire reality. And um, so, yeah, no, I don't know why anyone would view the subconscious as being a bad thing. It's where all the power is in, in creation and <laughs> creating all of this on a physical level. You know, one thing that I like to say from the shamanic, or at least my point of view from uh, the world of shamanism is you are the conductor of the orchestra. And in order to be able to create to your greatest potential, you need to know or be willing to experience how you could have every instrument play Part, do what it, it's staying in part of your song and not to turn a blind eye to anything because in a sense you're cutting off part of you if there's anything that you say isn't good or that you can't work with won't work with that's one aspect of you that you'll never be whole now because you're not willing to look at it or or learn how to use it skillfully and so that's one i think of it like that a conductor of the orchestra you want to engage every instrument it doesn't mean that you know it, it everything has a contribution for the possibility that you can create in the world mm-hmm i you're, you speaking reminded me of something I said. It's going to sound like it doesn't relate, but it triggered me to remember, at least. Um, we were talking earlier, and I want to just make a correction. Again, this is me like practicing myself. Uh, I talked about people being envious of my disease, and I'm just going to switch that to people being envious of uh, my history <laughs> because I don't identify with that. And it's interesting because I can feel it in my body right now being like, oh, I am here. I'm so right here. Like a third party secondary gain. I mean, so there's this thing um, called secondary gains and there might be other words for it where people love their disease for the benefit that it can give them. And it's kind of like they're envious of your secondary gain in a sense that, that what you were able to create from the muck, but they could do the same thing. They have their own muck and they could create through that too. Yeah, I, I feel like um, some people, I'm not speaking for majorities, I'm not actually a fan of speaking for majorities, but um, I feel like some people see the the rude awakenings and feel like they must subdue themselves to just as much pain. And I don't think that that's necessary. No, no not at all. <laughs> yeah. you, you can become 
consciously creating at any moment. And I love Ryan's story for this. He he kept getting these inspirations that he needed to quit this one job that he was in. He was like a shipping clerk uh, for this company and they used all these chemicals. And he knew that it wasn't good for him and he kept the job anyway. And finally he had like an episode at work. He had to go to the emergency room. He had uh, he like, he had like a really bad reaction to the chemicals. And he told his guys like, what's up? What, you know, why did you tell me? They're like, well, we tried inspiration. We thought respiration might get, you, get the point across that he was finally <laughs> supposed to quit job that was his two by four but he had signs so far up until that point that you don't have to get to the point of being sick and tired to being sick and tired if you want to have the drama then go for it but then don't judge yourself for wanting the drama Uh, Mm -hmm. but you could start to choose the possibility at any point you don't have to go through hell yes and that is the message that one of my fundamental pieces because it's really fun to it's like fun to talk about the drama of getting to where we are right that's entertaining um and I, every time I talk about it, I, I just want to make it very clear that I have had incredibly expansive spiritual godlike experiences laughing and like that is just as available and change my personality. You know what I mean? And so it's not if we want to grow, we don't have to subdue ourselves to pain. But I actually I, I tell it akin to the Phoenix Rising and I, I actually uh, have this team called Firebird. And um, I speak into my story, which is really dramatic. And I talk about how I don't believe in the theory of the Phoenix rising. I believe that we keep rising and we don't, or I should say, I believe that we don't rise just to crash and burn. And if we find ourselves crashing and burning, we can rise just the same. And I think that this is where people just get a, what is it called? Where they like to hurt themselves? Like, what's the word for that? Self-destructive? Masochism. Masochism. There we go. Hmm. Um, so I'm just realizing that I have a client I have to leave for in a little bit. So I may have to hop off here, but you, if you guys want to keep talking with oh, me. I think definitely we want to have Shauna back on. Oh, I, that was awesome. Shauna, um, I don't know if we're friends on Facebook or anything, but reach out and connect because I would like to – um, talk a little bit about um, some of the stuff that you do. I'm really interested. In yeah, definitely. Oh, and I wanted to put up for people to connect to Shauna. I think I have the right spelling and everything. Where did I put this? I think I have one last question for you when you're done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just I put this into the I don't know where I put it, though. I put your website. But I can't find where I put it in the banner here. Oh, here we go. So that is, uh, Sean has a Facebook group called Goldmine Classroom that if you want to connect with Shauna, uh, you can look that up and uh, see if that group might be a good fit for you if it feels light. I'll post it in the comments as well. And did you have any other, you don't have any other social media things that you want to let people know about, like YouTube channels or anything? It's just a Facebook right now. Um, so the Facebook group is specifically for my favorite kind of people, and they're like nerdy, and they like to pair the science. So if you're, nerd, if you're a nerd, then you can join, but if not, then I'm going to take Definitely it Definitely not. <laughs> um, I do have an Instagram. I do have a podcast, and I do have a website, but right now everything is in relaunch, so I direct you to the group. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I can't wait to see how well, – I can wait, but I'm looking forward to seeing how everything relaunches for you. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. In case did you need to duck out now before she asks me the question, or are you staying around for another minute? Uh, yeah, I'll stay around for another minute. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he wants um, to go for it. <laughs> I bet he'd have something to add to this too, and it may open another can of worms, which we can talk about at another time. But I'm learning um, – 
So I'm not any educated professional, as I said before. And I talk about science, right? And so I have like my pharmacist friend, he kind of lets me know when I'm a little bit wrong in what I'm saying so I can just like learn and, and fix and utilize the message correctly. And I feel this way with my spiritual beliefs too. Like they're developing. I'm educated, just being self-educated. Um, I didn't go through any kind of training. Like uh, Hank, I know that you actually like went through the training and you learned the theories and uh, there's certain things like this, um, like this uh, Phoenix thing that I say. And I know I, because it's interesting because I got a little weird. I got the, uh, like you had a thought about it. And I love that it even came up because I feel like the, the, the um, archetype is probably correct. The whole story. I mean, it's been around forever that I, that I know of. Um, and there's this weird spot where people take these old archetypes and they make it about masochism or hurting themselves or needing to do this thing. And so, Hank, do you have anything to say about that conversation of the Phoenix at all? Because I'd love to hear it. Well, I'll let, if Casey does have something to contribute, since he may be more in a time sure. crunch, is there anything you would want to speak to first before I dive into that? Hmm. I don't know. I guess I don't really understand what you're, uh, what you're wanting us to talk on. I, what, uh... Well, the Phoenix yeah. Rising, like the the need to die or to go through massive uh, shifts and change to reemerge as something new. Because okay. I tell I tell people that I don't agree with it, and I do know that it's probably correct on some level, but people think that they have to hurt themselves to grow. No, okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, no, yeah. Uh, like, well, for some people, maybe that is necessary um, because uh, you know that wouldn't have afforded them. I don't know. They they would never have um, sought out any kind of spiritual path or like sought out to better themselves without having those experiences. Um, like for me, I was heading down like a very miserable path. Like I was an atheist and um, was like very much like, you know, into self-destructive <laughs> behaviors and patterns. And I wasn't looking to change that. I was just like fine with going on that path. And uh, spirit was like, no, 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 buddy. This, is, this, is, this isn't where you're going. So um, I, you know, I, I went through immense suffering through my awakening process. Um, but I feel like it, where I was at personally, like maybe if I hadn't experienced that, I would never have found this. Um, but if you're already at the point where you're, you know that you could better yourself or like discover your spiritual path or you want to be a healer or you want to, you know, get better at meditating or find more peace or whatever, then you're already past all that. You're already trying to achieve it so that you, there's absolutely no reason to go through any of the suffering. You can just, um, yeah, you're, you're already realized that it's possible. So um, yeah, no need. <laughs> so you're saying it's utilized, it's utilized and then at some point, it just doesn't become necessary well I, what I, I guess what i'm saying is that like for example um it, it, it happens both ways one either people are maybe so uh, content and at peace and they have like a really good life or whatever and um they never find the need to like discover anything deeper and so there's nothing motivating them to uh, change anything or they're so content with being miserable um that they they don't see any reason to change and, and maybe like so the universe goes all right well you need this really intense experience to make you realize like all right what's going on let's figure this out um uh but uh for other you know for people um 
who already recognize that you know finding deeper peace or discovering their spiritual path is a possibility and something they're trying to achieve and then thinking like oh I, but i need to go through that suffering that you went through to get there like no maybe i just had to go through that suffering to get me to realize that, that was something that i even needed to be looking into so if you already realize that some, that's something to strive towards then, then why why need why go why feel like you have to go through the suffering I yeah, I feel people utilize that in long-term patterns, even if they're successful. They're just like, I always just crash and it always happens. And it's like, does it have to, though? Well, think of all the success stories that we have from people who are really uh, rich and things like how many times did they have to file bankruptcy before they became successful? And where do we buy into the point of view? If I really want to be successful, I have to fail this many times before I can have success. And that's just a point of view we buy into and your point of view creates your reality. So if you have the point of view that I got to crash and burn 10 times before I'm successful, then that's what you create, but you could choose different. It's and not this is, this is a whole different kind of can of worms that I, because I have to run away soon. I don't have nice time. Nice to meet for you. It. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I was going to say, um, uh, I also I think a lot of that those stories that were told about you know like oh you know you have to work really hard and you're going to fail over and over and over again before you finally um, find your success. I think uh, those are like in a way uh, programs put in place purposefully by the power, people in power um, to keep the majority of people from actualizing massive success in their dreams and things. Because if we're programmed to think that we're gonna to have to go through a lot of suffering to find success, then a lot of people are gonna go, well, that's not worth it. I'm not gonna go I'm willing to settle for my little my little corner in the world then instead of demanding more. Yeah. But that doesn't have to be the case. Thank you, Casey. So, yes, but I am gonna to have to take off here. So it was really wonderful to meet you, Shauna. I, I would like to connect further. Definitely. Please. Oh, and I'm sure Shadow will be back on again. Have a good one, Casey. I'll, yes. I'll have a few more things to say on this. Bye. Bye. Right. Take care. I'll see you guys. Bye. Okay, he removed himself. I, I almost double. Oh no, he closed yeah. the browser, so he's totally gone. But the the other thing with the Phoenix is it's almost as though. Um, like take Goddess Elite for example, uh, when they had the store fire, she her she redid her logo with the phoenix coming up out of it, rising from the ashes. Mm. Life dealt her that experience, and if you have had your whole world crumble around you, you get to reaffirm and say you, she could have done anything. She thought about going into forensic accounting and, and uh, doing some other things from her background, but she chose to recreate the store better and um, and like being all in with what she was choosing. So what if when you do have these experiences of the Phoenix, it's about a, a time where you can true you can truly put out to the universe who you're going to choose to be in the world congruent with all levels of being. You could choose to do anything after something like that. And uh, what does it say about you as a being and a person? So those are, are huge defining moments of uh, who you're gonna choose to be. Do you have to have it? Absolutely not. Uh, you can, and I think the other thing of, of, with it is sloppy, I want to use the word sloppy manifestation because how often do I have a reading where someone says, do you see me having a new job? And it's like, you already know they haven't done a resume. They're not even looking. So people are putting intentions out to the universe and then doing no effort on their part. So it's like universe, I would love to live somewhere else. I would love a new job, but they're never asking the question, what can I do to row my side of the boat? That's the analogy. I use. So if you're like the universe has one or you have the other one if you're working together you're you're making progress you're going where you want to go if you tell the universe to do something and you don't even have an oar in the water your boat goes in a circle and it takes the universe a lot longer to 
create something different for you. And sometimes it shows up as what appears to be destruction because you didn't take the part of you actually co-creating with the universe. You waited for the universe to hand it to you. And the only way it could handle it, hand it to you is through a layoff or through something else. But it brought you the, the circumstances that put you in a place where you had to choose and start rowing. That is kind of like my analogy for that. Yeah, that it's it's beautiful and it pairs it pairs well with the way that I think about it because it's not doesn't mean we're wrong if we crash and burn. It just means that we can just like everything is an opportunity and especially the 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 slingshot effect that can happen in the burn is very <laughs> real. Um, how much time do you have? I have. Um, we can keep going. Okay. We could also plan for another one because this has been really great having you on. You are very well spoken and you have a lot of uh, great uh, views on things that pair well with us. I love the terminology you use. It pairs well, <laughs> like a fine wine pairs with us. Yes. We pair well together. <laughs> um, I just have one last question then, unless unless it goes to places. And I'd love to. I'd love to come back on. You guys have like all these shows now. It's incredible. Um, my The thing that I find challenging as a leader and I'm assuming you consider yourself a leader in certain situations. Like, of course, I, I'm not a leader everywhere, but I am as far as my career is concerned. And um, to, to pair off the phoenix rising, the thing that I find challenging is speaking into the archetypes of pain, which give us an op opportunity. Like, they always give us an opportunity to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Or speaking into the pain of even my story and how do I want to say it? Um, if I'm, if somebody's like three steps behind me and I'm like, Hey, this is the path. Like, Hey, I've been on this path. Um, yours is probably going to be similar. Like, let me show you where to jump over this thing and not walk in the mud and all of this. Um, I find it challenging to speak about that pain and then keep, keep it in there that it doesn't have to be that way. And I wonder if that's something that you find because I don't want to reinforce the fact of, hey, you better hurt yourself to move forward. And I feel like so many leaders, at least in my community, um, thought leaders say that. And I just don't, I, 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 I'm like sticky right there. Right. Well, you, it's um, sometimes if you're going into like the story of what caused the pain and things like you're reinforcing the victim mentality. And so like in like soul retrievals, for example, you, there's like, well, there's different ways to do it. But the main thing is you need to know what happened, where it happened and who it happened with. But you don't want the context of the story because that reinforces victim. You're just asking for kind of like these little coordinates of where in the ethers do you need to go for the soul piece. Uh, but you're not giving the client the opportunity to really dive into the story of it because that can reinforce the victim uh, energy or with pain. Were you referring to uh, physical pain? I, I wasn't any kind of pain, like mental pain, um, just moving because there's, there is a truth that we move into our edge to expand. Right. And people use different words for the edge. They call it pain. They call it stretching. They call it um, being uncomfortable. Resistance. Yeah, a feeling of tension, like we were talking about before, like oh, exercising feels tense, but the yeah. feels light. Uh, and some people and, think that all of the when, like all of those terms equal pain. Right. Well, that that could just simply be a shift of point of view. Like if they have that point of view that it's pain that creates your reality, but if you can step out of that's an interesting point of view that I have that point of view. That's an access tool that there, you can you can 
step out of the judgment of what it is. And that's what they say with empaths too. You name it, you claim it. You're aware of an energy. Once you've identified it as anger, you've now claimed it. And now you're having the experience of someone else's anger. But for that other person, it wasn't anger at all. It was potency. And through my own filters, I label it. And now I have an experience that I didn't have to have to begin with. And and the, the tool from access uh, for stuff like that would be interesting point of view because it puts you in the place of being the observer the witness or whatever words you want to use for it but you're not in a place of judgment about whatever it is that you're experiencing or to use ryan's terminology from empathic empowerment training it's the difference between sensing and feeling sensing is the awareness of an energy feeling is when you've labeled it and that's when you would have a, a, a bigger experience of it having to be pain and something else that goes along with that is we have the point of view a lot of times that if you spend 30 years of your life screwing yourself up you need to spend an equal amount of time fixing yourself and it's that's not true it can be an instantaneous thing but we you almost feel like if you don't have to work just as hard fixing yourself it doesn't give value to the story that you went through right yes so that i thank you for that it's a part of my leadership that i just want to take very responsible i just want to have a lot of responsibility for that message so i appreciate that because i could use that with people yeah, absolutely and myself Awesome. Any final thoughts? We have, well, usually Casey and I go around and have like final thoughts before we go off, but I think we really mm. wrapped up pretty well. And this is there anything else that you just, if you had to tell someone just one thing that they're never going to see you again. And then this last minute, tell them one thing that would have the potential to change everything. Uh, what would yes. you tell them? So I have a metaphor of creating momentum in our lives. I was just said this on a podcast and it was really powerful hearing it back. Um, when we see that we want to create our life, we see that we have ineffective habits and we want to change those ineffective, habit, ineffective habits. And my message is that starting the momentum of the car of change, it's the willpower is like just a little bit of muscle, like turning your key in your car. It's like just the willpower to get up and put your shoes on to go to the gym or just a little bit of willpower to press live on the thing and talk about the message you want to share. Just a little bit, like just a little bit of muscle to turn the key and then the momentum will start from there and then your life will change very, very quickly. If we can remember that in order to move through that discomfort of like, waking up early in the morning, it just takes a, so much less willpower than we actually think. And it starts so much momentum. And that's how this whole show started. It was started as a joke. Hey, we should start a thing called Stir Crazy Shamans and just a little bit of effort, a Google search for a streaming service. And we, here we are. Yeah. And, and, for, uh, and for my thing that I would share with everyone is if you're relating to something, take a step back and start creating with it. Because if you're relating, you're functioning from the duality and the uh, addiction of polarity. And so if you can take a step back and instead of asking, how can I relate with this? Start saying, how can I be in creationship with it? How can I create with everything around me instead of relating to it and, and recognizing yourself as separate? How do I recognize myself as one with all and create with it? So that would be my final takeaway for the day. Love that. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you haven't already, click the YouTube link. Please subscribe. Give a thumbs up. Give a comment to Shauna saying, please come back on to Stir Crazy Shamans. We love seeing you here. No, I'm sure she'll be back on even if you don't. But it would be really nice because YouTube likes all that stuff and will serve our message to more people if it, they see it's relevant for people. So please take a moment, thumbs up, subscribe, and comment. Even if it's just like uh, you don't want to write out a sentence, just put like a one in the comments if this was nice. There you go. <laughs> like, or whatever is like to you. And if you're going to, if you came halfway through and you're going to go back and watch it from the beginning, start a watch party, help us spread the contagion of consciousness in the world.
All right, guys, have a good Thank one. You, Thanks for joining us. Thank you.